When you have a newborn or there are toddlers around the house, it's easy to get focused on the day-to-day and forget what the long game is in parenting. Here's Dennis Rainey. Children are God's statement that the next generation must take our place. And what we must do is impart to our children the truth about God, uh, the experience of God, and uh, also the gospel of God, how they can know Him. And that's our assignment. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine. Okay, let's pull back and look at the big picture. What is it that we are supposed to do as parents as we raise the next generation? What's the priority? What's job one? We're going to talk about that today. Stay with us. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. I I think I've heard you say, I don't know if you've called it a mistake or not, but you said something about the fact you wrote a book on parenting teenagers before you were done parenting teenagers. One of the big mistakes. Okay, I just want to make sure. I didn't want to put words in your mouth. Of our our lives. Barbara joins us. Would you agree, sweetie? Well, it was rather brash, I think, (laughs) to write on parenting when we hadn't finished. The the truth is, it's a great book, and, and the concepts in the book are solid, and I've referred to it many times as we were in the process of raising our kids. And and we paid the price for many of those lessons, Bob, <laughs> but we were not done raising teenagers. And what we had to do on numerous occasions is go back and rip pages out <laughs> or reread what we'd written. Well, now here we are, and you have finished the process of, of raising your children, and you decided, okay, now it's safe to write a book on parenting, right? We did. And this is something that I've wanted to do Actually, we've wanted to do since uh, we were a part of starting family life all the way back to 1976. Barbara and I have been working with high school students nationwide, and uh, uh, we saw the need and really wanted to make an impact on teenagers and the next generation. And the way we did that was by helping people stay married and have a good marriage. But also, ultimately, one day I wanted to get to this topic of equipping parents to know how to do not just marriage God's way, but do parenting His way as well. Barbara, I'll ask you, and then I'll ask you as well, Dennis, if if you could only speak or write about one or the other. Oh, you're going to do that to her? Marriage or parenting? Oh, that's a terrible question. (laughs) (laughs) If I said, for the rest of your life, you've got to either talk about parenting or you've got to talk about marriage, which would you pick? I I know the answer. Well, I think I would have to say marriage because not all couples have children. And if you don't get your marriage right, you can't get parenting right. So I would say marriage over parenting. If I had to pick one, Yeah. if you're going to force me. And I thought she would have said motherhood. She See, that loves... wasn't an option, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's parenting. I'm parenting. very precise. <laughs> Be, being a mom and raising kids has been a passion of your life. Well, yes, and I loved being a mom. I loved raising kids. It really was It was stressful. It was hard, but it was rewarding. It was what I felt like I was made to do in those years that I was doing it. So I was very, I was very engaged, very committed, very involved reading things all the time, trying to improve, trying to be a great mom, trying to give my kids what they needed. So I was very invested. If you had to pick marriage or parenting, and that's all you could talk about, write about? 
Well, here's the thing. I've got to answer the way Barbara did because that's where we have been focused over the past uh, 41 years. We have been focusing on marriage, and we have done a lot of parenting work. We've written a lot of books on on parenting. We've uh, had a conference that we created on parenting, which we mothballed until recently, Bob, and you know that uh, we're finally getting a chance to roll this out, uh, a parenting conference in a box, Mm -hmm. which is a small group kit to help folks know how to do the art of parenting, which is also the name of a book that Barbara and I just completed as well. So we've been wanting to get after this and do this for some time, and uh, I'm excited because these are some of the best days for family life to help families that have ever existed in over four decades. You have shared this story with our listeners before, but there's a story from when you were raising your kids that kind of gets to the heart of the parenting issue, doesn't it? It does. Uh, Our daughter, Deborah, came to me one time. Do you remember how old, sweetheart? She no, was. but I would guess 13, 14, yeah. early teens. Just in that age that kind of knows it all. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, she came and, and she said, Dad, I want to be able to do what I want to do with whoever I want to do it with, whenever I want to do it, for as long as I want to do it. <laughs> and I said, really, sweetheart? <laughs> I said, what if your parakeet came to you? And the parakeet's name was? Sweet Pea. Sweet Pea. Mm-hmm. Sweet Pea came to you and said, I want to be able to do whatever I want to do with whoever I want to do it with for as long as I can possibly do it. And Sweet Pea said to you, I'd like to go out on the porch and play with the cat. What would you say? She said, oh, Dad, that's silly. That's dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> she was disgusted. She you. was. And I said, here's the thing. God's given you parents to help not cage you up, but to create boundaries that protect you. Sweet Pea doesn't need to play with the cat. And it was just the beginning of the teenage years for Deborah, in all fairness to her, in some form or another, all six of ours ask a question very, very similar to that. Well, every adolescent asks that question. You, you well, ask even the if question. they don't verbalize it, they feel it, it's, and they, it's what they want. It's this emerging independence. Mm-hmm. We want to call the shots. Every mm-hmm. All of us felt it, so I'm not surprised that Deborah felt that mm-hmm. way, but she did not respond well to the uh, sweet pea analogy that you used. No, and, and God, in his sense of humor, he, he is, God is so mischievous, and I mean that in a holy way. Uh, not evil, just holy mischievous. <laughs> he has a way of getting our attention. So not long after that, we had the opportunity to uh, uh, to travel as a family, and we needed to find someone that would take care of Sweet Pea. And so we got a nearby family to take care of uh, our favorite parakeet. So a, f- a family down the street that we knew well, there are some of our kids matched up and they played together. Um, we called them and asked them, and they said, sure, they'd be delighted to. But we couldn't make the handoff occur before we left. So we left Sweet Pea in the cage in the house, and they came by later that day after we'd left town, gotten on our plane and flown off um, to pick up Sweet Pea and keep the bird for the week and get the bird feed and everything. And um, one of the younger kids in the family was tasked with the responsibility of taking care of the bird that week, and he was going to earn a little little money by doing this. We were going to pay him. So anyway, they came to the house, um, got the bird, got the parakeet, 
cage and the food and everything, and they were walking out to their car. And it was January, too, by the way, which is an interesting piece of the story, because as they walked from our front door to their car, the tray on the bottom of the parakeet cage came unhooked, and it dropped open, and the bird saw his chance at freedom <laughs> and dropped through and took off flying up into the trees. And he he got his freedom sooner than expected. I can only imagine those parents uh-huh, in your uh-huh. front yard watch, looking at the parakeet in the tree and going, what, what do we do? I know, yeah. My friend's name was Jessica, and she just was panicked. And she went, oh, my gosh. And so they tried to coax it down. They put food in their hands and offered food, you know, <laughs> trying to get the bird to come down and nothing worked and they tr- they tried for nearly an hour and the bird was in the tree and was not coming down so we're away um on our trip when we get the phone call that uh, a day or two later uh yeah a couple of days later the parakeet had flown the coop literally okay and we tried to time the telling of this story to deborah when it would perhaps be a little bit of a shock absorber but there was no good time to tell her this completely bummed her out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest mm-hmm. of the trip was miserable. So much so that when we arrived back home, we were on our way back from the airport that we stopped at uh, Parakeets RS or whatever it was <laughs> and tried to find a, uh, replacement. a replacement. But uh, we found one, but it was no replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sweet Pea was a special Really, a special bird. Well, how long? How long passed, Barbara? Just a couple of days. We say we got home on a Friday, maybe on Monday morning. Our neighbor, who lives up the hill, we don't live in a typical neighborhood where houses are just in a row down a straight street. We're we're kind of out in the woods, and there's some open land between our houses, and so our neighbor lives up the hill. And um, he called. Dennis had gone to work. It was about 10 or 11 in the morning. The kids were off at school, and I was home alone. And he called and said, um, I've got something really interesting I want to ask you. He said, um, do you guys have a parakeet? And I said, well, we did have a parakeet. And he said, oh, okay. And so he begins to tell me this story about how he found Sweet Pea. And I was so amazed that the bird had survived. Found Sweet Pea where? Well, that's a part of the story. So I called Dennis and I told him, I said, our neighbor has Sweet Pea. And he said, you're kidding. And and, and Deborah was not happy. She was not happy once we told her and through the rest of the trip and after getting home, she was not happy that morning when she got out and went to school. It was for her, she just felt like she'd been abandoned or whatever. I don't know. But it was very... She was dramatic, and it was terrible, and it was awful. So I wanted to go get her at school and pull her out of class and tell her. And Dennis said, don't you dare go tell her. He said, we need to make a big impression on her about what happened and how God spared this parakeet for her. And I said, okay, great. So So, I didn't go tell her. So what happened was Bob, our neighbor, was watching TV, and he heard a thump on the window. And... Being who Bob was, he told... And it was at night. It was dark, so he couldn't see anything. Right. He told his wife, won't you go out there and find out what that is? <laughs> You'd have to know Bob to appreciate this. So uh, his wife goes out there, and she doesn't come back. And so Bob decides, I'm, I'm going to walk out there and see what I can find out there. So he walks out, and she's trying to catch this bird that's fluttering around. And Bob just walks out, sticks his finger up in the air, kind of horizontal to the ground, and sweet pea flies right down to it. And he turns around and walks in the house carrying the bird. (laughs) 
Well, that was how we would get sweet pea to land on us. Just put your finger, finger out uh, horizontal and let the bird fly down. And so he, he put sweet pea in a spare cage that they had. <laughs> they just happened to have a cage. And, and went like... to town to get some parakeet food. Yeah, and so while he was in town to get parakeet food, after he got what he needed at the pet store, he stopped at a yogurt place on the way home. And it was real busy, and so he had to stand in line. And And Bob's very chatty, very conversational. So he started talking to the guy in front of him. And as they were talking, the guy said to him, so what are you doing today? And Bob said, oh, I had to come into town to get parakeet um, feed for this bird that I found. And the guy said, well, where do you live? And so Bob told him where he lived. And the guy said, is that anywhere near the Rainies? And Bob said, yeah, I live next door to him. And the guy said, oh, I'm there, the kid's youth pastor. And he said, I think they have a parakeet. Because <laughs> Bob had said that for this parakeet that I found, he had no idea where it had come from. Right. That's so, 15 miles from where we live. That's n- the yogurt store. The yeah. yogurt place. Wow. So Bob's goes, oh, well, maybe that is where it came from. And so when he called Monday morning, he was confirming, do you have a parakeet that is now missing? Because if you do, I have it. So uh, I told Barbara, I said, after dinner, let's just drive the point home with Deborah. Some of our listeners are wondering, why are you telling a parakeet story? <laughs> and why is it taking so long? <laughs> so long. Well, if, when you hear the rest of this, you'll see why. So at, at, after dinner... I just stopped and I looked at Deborah and I said, Deborah, God really loves you. And she was still not happy. Yeah. No, not happy at all. Mm-mm. She wouldn't look at me. And I said, Deborah, look at me. God really loves you. She still wouldn't look. And I said, Deborah, God loves you. Bob, our neighbor, has your parakeet. Well, at that point, two things happened. First of all, our daughter, Laura, had been sitting with her head. Well, the very first time you said to Deborah, I want to tell you something. Can I tell you that God really loves you? Laura's piped up and said, do I have to listen to this? (laughs) Because she knew (laughs) that her dad was about to talk to her sister about something. Some some story. Some 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 lesson because she was not happy. And she's thinking, this isn't about me. Why do I have to be here? So she said, do I have to listen to this? And Dennis said, you do have to listen to this. And Laura went, oh, do I really? Yes, you have to listen to this. Okay, she said. So she sat back in her chair, threw her head back against the back of the chair, and took her napkin and literally laid it over her face and dropped her arms and just was like, oh. It's like a grave cloth, okay? Yeah, she was just going to play comatose. And so at the point, I told Deborah that the parakeet was up the hill with Bob. Laura screamed, pulled the grave cloth (laughs) off of her face and said, what? And Deborah slowly. Yeah, like an ice cube. (laughs) Almost imperceptibly at at a point began to smile. She was real skeptical. She said, "Yeah, really? Yeah. (laughs) And we walked up. All four of us marched up the hill to the neighbors. Reclaimed the bird, put Sweet Pea back in her home. And all was well, but we just said, Deborah, God really loves you mm. and is looking out for you. So, do you think Deborah ever tied together the moral of the story that you don't let the parakeet out of the cage? And to go play with the to cat? To go play with the cat? You know, I resisted. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised. Are you a little surprised that he resisted? 
<laughs> Keith, our engineer, is surprised. Yeah. Tonda, are you? Yeah. Everybody's surprised. I mean, it was so obvious. It was just so obvious. Well, it was so obvious that it was God because it was January. The parakeet had been outside for over 24 hours. It was really cold. So that it actually survived the night. And then showed up at our neighbor's and banged on his window and not ours where nobody was home. I mean, so many things. And then that Bob would run into that youth group guy that he, I mean, Bob never went to church. He didn't know where we went to church. I mean, so it was so obvious that God was all over this story that I think we knew that somehow this was going to sink in. Somehow, whether we said anything or not, it was just too big for her to miss it. So the moral of the story for parents is God's got your back? Yes. Is yes. that it? Mm-hmm. Yes. That I mean, it. you know, Deuteronomy 6 comes right after the giving of the Ten Commandments. And right after those those commandments are given, God commands uh, the parents of Israel, says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you shall teach your children to do the same. Parenting is God's idea. He loves our kids more than we do. And as parents, so many times we feel so helpless. And we, we are. <laughs> and, and In we, our own strength. And, and, we, right. and we really are. But God does care about our kids. Now, he may not do it in our timing. It may not be a story like Deborah's story about the parakeet. But he does have a way of getting our children's attention. Because uh, really, children are God's statement that the next generation must take our place. Mm -hmm. And what we must do is impart to our children the truth about God, uh, the experience of God, and uh, also the gospel of God, how they can know Him. And that's our assignment, Bob. And that's really why Barbara and I wrote the book, The Art of Parenting. We want to call a generation of parents. And uh, there are some 16 million millennial parents right now. Another 1 million have been added this past year who are raising their kids according to some kind of plan. The question is, is it the best-selling book in history Mm. plan? Uh, Is it the Bible? And what we want to do is, and what we've done in the book is, is, is break down the scriptures and give folks some very simple, practical ways, but biblically anchored of how to raise the next generation. I, I have found that parents who are interested in parenting material, whether it's a video series or a book or even what we're talking about on the radio, if it's focused on parenting, they tend to be new parents mm-hmm. who are aware that they're in over their head because mm-hmm. it doesn't take long after you've had a child before you go, oh, I don't know mm-hmm. everything I'm supposed to be doing. By the time parents are raising teenagers, I think a lot of them think, well, if we haven't gotten it by now, there's no hope for us. Right. You wrote this book with new parents and parents of teens in mind, this is for everybody who's still in the midst of trying to raise their kids, right? Exactly. If you still have children at home, even if it's one who is 17, there is there is something for you in this book because it's never too late. And that's mm-hmm. one of the big messages that we want to send. That it's never too late to impact your kids for Christ. It's never too late to make investments in their lives for things that will last forever. We feel it more acutely, I think, with newborns and toddlers and preschoolers um, because it's so new and fresh and we're, we're so acutely aware of what we're missing. We're much more worn down when our kids get to be teenagers and it's easy to 
give up, but God doesn't want us to give up because He's always available and wants to intersect our kids' lives at any stage that we come to Him. But you know, parents in the midst of the teen years, they get exhausted, they get discouraged, they think if if we haven't figured it out by now, it's helpless for us to figure it out. And that that really it's a lie. I, we know the feeling. We've experienced that feeling. In fact, yesterday. Barbara talked to one of our children, adult children, who has a teenager or two. And our daughter was discouraged. (laughs) Just going through the teenage years had just sapped her strength and her courage. But what we want to do, Bob, is we want to give parents courage Mm -hmm. to hang in there, not quit. And basically, what we've broken parenting down into are really four areas. Number one, relationships. Relationship with God and with one another. That's, that's our assignment, to train our kids to know how to relate to God properly and also how to get along with human beings. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, character. That's the book of Proverbs, being wise and not a fool, choosing right and not wrong. That's a big part of being parents today, equipping children with boundaries. The third area is identity. And listen to me, there is identity theft taking place today that is far more important than somebody stealing your credit card. There is a sexual identity theft, a spiritual identity theft, and also an emotional identity theft that we talk about in the book to help parents know how to raise kids who reflect who God is. And then finally, there's a a child's purpose. That's their mission. And we believe a child was designed by God to be raised and then released release toward the the bullseye and the target that God has for them. And if you're not sending your child to that destination on purpose, the world does have a plan for your child, and it's not a good plan. These four areas you came to after spending months pouring through the Scriptures to say, what does the Bible say about parenting? Actually, years, Bob, because I spent the better part of one year studying the Scriptures, and Barbara and I would talk about it, but over the next 25 years, we confirmed it over and over and over again. These four areas really were distilled down into the essence of what God's trying to do in our lives. One last story before we're done here. In writing the book, Uh, We had to decide how to start the book. And so we asked Deborah for permission to tell this story. And we were at the Creation Museum with 13 of our grandkids and five of our adult children and their spouses. And we had a little time each evening where Papa, where Papa would have a little lesson for the kids of what they'd seen at the Ark or what they'd seen at the Creation Museum. And I said, I've got a little story I'd like to read. And so I pulled open the manuscript on my computer, and I began to read this story. And Deborah's two daughters were in the room. They were all ears. They were listening because one's uh, about 10, and the other's about 6 or 7. And uh, they're just nearing that time when they're going to want to go do whatever they want to go do with whoever they want to do it with for as long as they want. And uh, Deborah was just grinning because uh, she's a great mom and is doing a great job with those kids. Well, and and hearing you tell that story and then thinking about what Deborah shared as part of the Art of Parenting video series, (laughs) um, some of her comments are, are priceless. 
and I know some of our listeners have had a chance to start going through the Art of Parenting series. It's available as a free online video series for folks to go through. A lot of people are getting the small group kit and planning small groups for this fall uh, where they can go through this content. And of course, your book, uh, we're expecting it any day now here at Family Life. And uh, if our listeners would like to pre-order, they can go online at familylifetoday.com or they can call 1-800-FL-TODAY and get a copy of the brand new Art of Parenting book from Dennis and Barbara Rainey. Again, you can order online at familylifetoday.com. That's where you can also get information about the Art of Parenting course online or about the small group kit. Or you can call if you have any questions. 1-800-FL-TODAY is our number. 1-800-358-6329. 1-800-F as in family. L as in life, and then the word today. We're going to be talking about parenting tomorrow night. For those of you who are Family Life Today legacy partners, remember that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Central Time, you'll be getting a phone call from us, and you'll be a part of an event where we can interact together. You can ask questions. It's going to be kind of a big town hall meeting, a virtual parenting Q&A session that we'll be doing. Uh, Dennis and Barbara will be here. Family Life's new president, David Robbins, and his wife, Meg, will be here. I'll be here as well. We'll be talking about everything from screen time to discipline. So if you've got questions you want to ask about parenting, be sure to join us for the Legacy Partner Connect event tomorrow night at 7 o'clock Central Time. And again, you'll get a phone call if you are signed up for the event. If you're a legacy partner and you're not signed up for the event, or if you'd like to find out about becoming a legacy partner and join us for the event, call 1-800-FL-TODAY and say, how do I get in on that parenting phone call tomorrow night with Dennis and Barbara Rainey? This is just a part of the way that we want to say thank you to those of you who are regular supporters of this ministry as monthly legacy partners. All that we do here at Family Life Today, we couldn't do without you. In fact, if you're listening to Family Life Today and you've benefited from this program, you really have our legacy partners to thank for all of this. They make this program possible. So on behalf of our regular listeners, I want to say to our legacy partners, thank you for partnering with us, and we hope to talk to you tomorrow night. And we hope you can all be back tomorrow when we're going to continue our conversation about parenting with Dennis and Barbara Rainey. We're going to talk about job one. What is the the big picture assignment for us as parents as we raise our children? I hope you can tune in for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. A crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.